This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right. Just a quick note as we start the show to Twitter, if you're listening, stop recommending that I follow Rabbi Shmuley, because that guy's a dick. <laughs> Welcome to episode 50 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, eagerly awaiting the start of the show, is my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Yes, here we are, starting number, the show. Number 50. Yes, number 50. It's also very late starting the show. It is very late. We don't normally do this, but there was a lot of Penn and Teller on TV. There was. And you just, what are you going to do? Yeah, love those guys. <laughs> a, a little bit of housekeeping. I guess not housekeeping so much, but we have a little follow-up. A couple more things that we wanted to talk about relative to the last couple episodes, and people have contributed uh, different stories um, of what they believed as a child, the dumb things that they believed as a child. And someone texted in and says, my parents used to tell us on road trips that the sign, quote unquote, watch for falling rock, meant to hush and look for the guy falling rock, the Native American that escaped from this insane asylum. So they would get really quiet and look all over the sides of the road to see if they could find him. And obviously they think it was uh, their way of their parents getting them to shut up since clearly there's no mentally deranged American Indian named Falling Rock. That's just mean. <laughs> I think it's creative. It is creative, but it's also a little uh, damaging, possibly, maybe giving them permanent nightmares. Yeah. Fearful of this madman that they can't find. I bet you there's parents all over the country, all over the world, who tell their kids, I mean, that's a little elaborate. That's more than just we're going to play the quiet game and see who can be quiet the longest. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the quiet game isn't working anymore. No. You have to get creative. Right. And then I had another one that I remembered, and this involves my best friend, Brett. He, he had always believed that chicken legs were just where you could see, like, the points where the hair comes out. Of the leg, so you know, like if you see a, a a plucked chicken and those little those little bumps all over the chicken where the feathers had come out, yeah, like chicken skin. Yeah, right. He thought that that's where chicken legs were, even because his brother told him he had chicken legs. So but, he thought that his legs just looked like a chicken in a package with the chicken skin. Well, I don't think he realized that his brother was making fun of his ch skinny, chickeny legs as a kid. Yeah, and he and I were at a church camp. Yeah, yeah, I know. We were at a church camp one summer, and I was a track athlete in high school. This was in high school. And <laughs> he sees me, and he says, oh, you got chicken legs. Meaning t to me that I I he could see where the hairs come out of my legs. But you thought he meant that you had small legs. Yeah, it immediately gave me a complex because... I've always been proud of the strength and the size of my legs. I don't have little puny legs. I never yeah, have. Yeah. And I was devastated. I mean, Brett's a couple years older than me, for one. And for two, he was a cool guy. And I was just <sighs> in my head about it for a long fucking time. Finally, I confronted him or whatever. And we, we came to an understanding that he was didn't know what the fuck chicken legs meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's apparent. So that's... That's mid-high school that that happened. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. Don't give us the age range. That is a bummer for him. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, we were talking about this this week, these kind of things, and we started remembering or thinking about, kind of as an offshoot, different words, especially, not mainly not with me, but with you, words that you use wrong. Or you, not wrong. You, you know what you mean by them, but it's not what other people would think. For instance, if I pour you a glass of ice water and I use tap water. Sink water. Right. You call it sink water. Yeah, it's sink water. It's not tap water. 
No, it's sink water. Or faucet water. It's sink water to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I then, guess that is kind of strange. <laughs> it's very... Well, the problem is, is because we're so close, I pick up on that and then I start saying sink water. Yeah. And it's you not... Did, you did that with another thing, ticker. T- that's another one, ticker, uh, rather than turn signal. Or blinker. Or blinker. Yeah, I call it the ticker. You call it the ticker. Use your ticker. Which is something that's used in stock trading. <laughs> The ticker at the bottom of this of the the financial news network where they show the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah, it's funny because this rubbed off on you, and we were at a Lakers game, and after the Lakers game, we were leaving, and of course, traffic is terrible because it's downtown Los Angeles. Right. It's a Lakers game that just happened. It was a playoff game too, so it was extra capacity. Yeah. So we're sitting in traffic, and. You know, people are driving terribly and someone comes up next to you and we have our windows down because, you know, no tra- there's tons of traffic, whatever. And somehow a conversation gets started with the ladies next to us and well, you call the we, signal a ticker. That's right. I we had I was letting them in. Go ahead. Go ahead. And the, the windows are now. We're just having a conversation because we're stalled in traffic. And I go, yeah. And this asshole up here, he's, he's not even using his ticker. And they looked clearly perplexed. No, they laughed at you. Yeah, that's what it was. They did. They fucking laughed at (laughs) me. They laughed and they said, did you just say ticker? (laughs) And then I was laughing because that was hilarious that they made fun of you for something that I am making you say. (laughs) You're not making me say. Well, yeah. I don't remember having a gun to my head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a bummer and I did feel a little embarrassed, but I think, you know, they were probably hammered, so... Oh, well, that's not good, driving and hammered. Well, depends on if they got home okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> no, not how it works. Right, right. <laughs> so, I guess that's the, I guess that's the next call to the audience. Are there weird terms that you call something that normal people or other people do not? And there has to be other people that call sink water, sink water. So I I want to hear from those people as well. I, there's no one else who calls tap water sink water. Well, I where did I get it from? Uh, I didn't just spontaneously start calling it sink water. I had to have heard it from somewhere. I'm not that original. Uh, I think you are. Oh, okay. I'll take that then. So, and also I want to tell the audience that, hey, listen, if, even if we're a couple weeks past something, a topic that we've reached out to the audience for participation on, if you remember something out of the blue like I did with Element OP and Slope and Slay while we were talking about it on the show, if something just springs into your head, call 657-464-7609, 657-464-7609. Text or call that number. You can leave us voicemail, text us anonymously or not, and let us know. Even if it's weeks later, we don't care. We still, we want to hear these. These are great. Yeah, because we know that people are tuning into the show at at different times, and some people may be picking up on it just now. So whenever you hear it, give us a shout out. Let us know what your weird words or stories are. Well, we also know that not everybody listens to every single episode. I mean, for those of you who do, we love you. Thank you very much. And for those of you who just catch it when you can, we love you too, just, you know, not quite as fucking much, so... (laughs) <laughs> and we did get a message on the website today. Yes, we did. On dollamore.com. Um, I'm just going to call him Burnt Reynolds because that's his email address. I'm sure that's not his real name. What a cool email address. Uh, he says, huge fan of the show, but maybe not since I knew about the Amazon thing, but didn't buy my $400 worth of lousy school books through it recently. How dare you, How Burnt Reynolds? How fucking dare you, Burnt um, probably out of spite, right? No, but seriously, I really do like, uh, I really do like the show. I listen to every one of them. Well, there you go. He listens to every one. See, we love him. Yes, we do. Very much. We, I listen to every one of them. Brittany, you are wonderful. Oh, I love him even more. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's very good nice. to go. Yeah. He loves you. Yeah. That's well, shocking. Um, how dare you? Well, why, why would he love me? I'm an oaf. Oh, Okay. Jesse, sometimes I want to punch you in the dick over the things you say. <laughs> Not that I disagree with anything in particular. I think it's your lovely, flowerly, flower, flowery. Wow. He's maybe not listening after this. Your lovely, flowery personality. FYI, I am not 
putting your number on speed dial. Ouch. Denied. <laughs> well, that's that's a little uh, little affirmation for you, though. Yeah, it's great. You've when we started this project and we landed on I doubt it with Dollamore as the name. It was kind of a. Uh, we didn't know exactly what your role would be at the time, even if you were going to be a full-time deal. And then it obviously, we realized very quickly that there's no fucking way I'm talented enough to do this without you. And we maybe jumped the gun on the name of the show. Well, I was also nervous for personal reasons to kind of get into this whole situation. But I think it's been really positive, and I'm happy with it. Well, so. I mean, with grad school and all, you have to maintain a more professional demeanor. Yes. And when you're out there, like me, internet-wise, there's no denying what the fuck I believe or don't believe. And if I drop a few F-bombs or say something off-color, it's... My my online reputation is already sullied. <laughs> we already know about Jesse D and his sitch. Yeah, a lot. So we got a big show. A lot to get to. In fact, we probably won't get to it all. Um, and if we don't, we will hold over uh, talking about an airplane that was diverted because of a couple of assholes on the plane. Yeah. So, Of course, it's my story again that's going to get pushed to the next episode. <laughs> Thank you. But moving Right along into the episode, let's go to these college students who developed nail polish for women, of course for women, unless Marilyn Manson is worried about getting date raped, but nail polish that will detect the presence of rufinol or date rape type drugs. Yeah, it's four male entrepreneurs, and they call their product Undercover Colors, and they've received many positive responses. They won $11,000 from a contest on campus where they have also met with a potential investor. So right now, you can go to their page, and it's undercovercolors.com. It says Choice Matters, the first fashion company empowering women to prevent sexual assault, and they have a link to their Facebook Twitter and email, and the only other link there is support us. I so think it's awesome. Yeah, they're just trying to launch it right now. And what it is is a nail polish, and you can swirl your finger in your drink, and it will change colors if it has a date rape drug in it. I'm assuming rohypnol. Yeah. Unless there's multiple other date rape drugs. With GHB, is, or is that the same? There are others, I'm sure. But I'm think they probably all have uh, a series of components that are similar. To, to, to Rehypnol. But there was a Time article that I took issue with, mainly the title, but there was a Time article a lady wrote, and the, I mean, the, the title bummed me out. Yeah, the title was, I shouldn't have to dip my nails in a drink to reduce my risk of rape. And look, I understand, I think, in today's clickbait world, in the clickbait culture that we have, you want a snappy title. You know, it's like why Matt Walsh, that DB, who has a one-episode podcast, by the way. Go check that fucking thing out. Uh, it, it's You want a snappy clickbait, something that's going to draw salacious type of uh, attention. And I think that type of title does. I shouldn't have to do blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? I shouldn't have to lock my cars, my car's doors at night. But I do because I don't want my shit stolen. There's all kinds of shit that we shouldn't have to do, but we live in a violent, terrible world in a lot of ways. In many ways, it's a wonderful place. But you know what? There's you've got your loose fucking cannons who are sociopaths and you know psychotic who have no empathy for others and will take advantage at every single turn. So although you may not want to believe that you shouldn't have to have that kind of, you don't have to. But isn't it a wonderful product so someone will know, hey, this guy's trying to fuck with me? Yeah, and also, I mean, there's just so many things. It's not just women that are affected by crime. You know, even men have to worry about password protecting their online everything. You know, you can't leave your laptop alone at a restaurant or a coffee shop. You have to take your stuff with you because it might get stolen. I mean, we all have to worry about these things, and it's unfortunate, but that's the reality 
you know? Yeah. Like you said. We just helped someone recently move into their apartment. They just moved from across the country. And we helped them move into their new apartment. They moved from a more rural area. Not some completely secluded. It's not like fucking Lancaster County in Pennsylvania with the Amish. But it's certainly more rural uh, than Southern California, than Orange County. And we helped them move in. And we were going to take multiple trips in from this parking garage into their apartment. And on one of the trips, they were going to leave this stack of stuff out by their car, totally trusting that, well, who's going to want this shit? And I let them know, uh-uh, you, you need to put that back in your car. Look, you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. That shit's going to get fucking ganked right away. Yeah, and- I've... I've experienced similar situations with like a friend from Idaho that came to visit me in California, left my car unlocked. That the was passenger only for door. like 10 minutes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, for, for like 10 minutes in my neighborhood in Huntington Beach, California, Orange County. And we came out, we ran in the house to get something, came out, and my car had been robbed. Right. I mean, that quickly. And I said, you left my door unlocked? He said, yeah, I, I didn't think it would be a problem. It's California. You can't do that. Yeah. It's not Idaho. <laughs> well, I grew up, I grew up like I, you know, I've said this a million times, a small mountain town for the most part. I mean, when I think of my formative years and growing up, I finished elementary, went to junior high and w- finished high school in this town. It was a town where you didn't need to lock the doors of your house. You could leave, go do wherever, go out of town and not lock your doors and be fine. But that when you get a concentrated population of people, it's not like that, and you need to be more careful. So that all goes to say, as we, we're taking the long way around, that we live in a scary place in a lot of ways. And having tools like doors that lock or nail polish that can detect the date rape drug are all wonderful things. Yeah. So that title, I think, is just a little shitty. And then there was a quote from the article that we had talked about where she said, women change their lives at great cost because of threats to their physical safety that are largely tied to the fear of rape. And this reminded me of conversations that we've had in the past where you had said you kind of realized. Yeah, you know, this is that's awesome. I'm glad you brought this up. We, you know, growing up a man and a big guy. And physically capable, I've never feared for my safety. I mean, there's been times where I've been a little nervous. Oh, shit. I'm in southeast D.C. at 2 a.m. This is kind of a problem. that You know, D.C., the murder capital of the fucking planet at the time. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be down here. I'm way too fucking white to be down <laughs> here. <laughs> and, and so I've never really had those, those type of concerns that you've had to have. And... You've explained to me that you always have to be diligent and very hyper aware of your surroundings when walking through a parking garage. Like we'll see a woman leaving the mall and walking through a parking garage with her keys in her hand, just tapping away on her phone, not looking where she's going. And she's a target. Oh, yeah. She's making herself more vulnerable and more of a target by those type of behaviors. I always want to stop those women and say, listen, keep your head up. Put your keys in your hand. Get ready right. to open your car. You need to be careful because that is something that women, we have to always be concerned about. When I'm walking to my car and it's, you know, nighttime on campus, I have to be concerned about if someone's following me. I have to be hyper vigilant and keep my head up, be ready to well, fight, you even, know? Even beyond that, there are steps that you go through, whether they're conscious or unconscious, that y- you you always get your keys ready to go. You yeah. don't have you don't want to get to your car and then dig for your keys. There's no. all these things that I don't have to fucking do. I mean, I have a purse, so some of that's not really relevant, but I can leave my keys in my pocket. If I have a sport coat on, they can be deep in the inside. I don't have to worry about that. And yeah. it's it's really eye-opening that, and we're talking about privilege and shit like that. That that is a privilege that I that I have. Yeah. That I don't have to worry about that. So I should and also this goes to this Men should be very sensitive about how they treat women who are alone in those type of situations. You might be just saying hi, like, hey, how are you? And being boisterous. That could freak someone out. I mean, that could send their alarm bells going off. And I think men, and I was one of them, don't really make those connections that you might just be being friendly, but you could be fucking freaking someone out. Oh, yeah. 
don't come up behind people at nighttime, that kind of stuff. I had a guy today come up to my car door window and wave in my car window. And I was startled at first because what are you doing? I'm in a parking lot getting ready to leave. And he was trying to sell me something in the parking yeah. lot. Like, that's not a good thing to do to women, dude. Right. We're not ready for that. You need to get away. Well, I don't think we have a lot of homeless audience, but this message goes out to the homeless if I'm walking in or out of a bank, I don't need you in my face begging for money. That's not a good time to accost someone <laughs> aggressively in for, for anything. That is definitely true. Goddamn. That's fucking, that's scary. Yes. So there's a variety of situations where people should not bombard others. But I guess I can take a little solace in the fact that I am five foot ten, and so people that see me walking to my car are going to be less inclined to kidnap me because it'll be harder to stuff me in a trunk. Right. Well, and also your RBF is on high. It's it's on point all the time. Oh yeah, I'll shoot that RBF right at you, and you might die. For those of you who don't know, and I'm assuming everyone knows, Brittany has professional <laughs> resting bitch face. I do. Holy shit. Yeah. Right now, she's smiling and she looks bitchy. <laughs> yeah. Before before resting bitch face was a thing, it was just called my bitch glare. Everybody said, oh, Brittany has her bitch glare on. Right. Which is, I think, dumb because if you're, if you're walking around with a fucking permagrin, they think you're either high or a Mormon missionary. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? Those are the only two options. Mormon, high. Well, not just Mormon, but Mormon missionary. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. It could be Mormon, too, though. They're generally a happier people. They are They are definitely a happier people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just going to make them a people now. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, listen, this is our quarter show. Pastor you about the website, dollamore.com. There's an Amazon.com link. Even if you make a small purchase there, help us out. It'll go a long way. To not be like Burt Reynolds and buy $400 of books and not use the Amazon link at dollamore.com. We, we'd love you for it. You can buy a book or pretty soon you'll probably be able to buy nail polish that'll detect uh, roofies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's great. Next up, this is a topic that is very interesting to me and... Uh, in line with the aforementioned uh, topic of me putting myself out there with my opinions online and it's too late for me there's no going back there's a their article about um is social media causing us to self-censor and i think it's fascinating a survey by pew research center in conjunction with rutgers university has found that social media doesn't encourage discussion on controversial subjects it may in fact cause people to stay quiet the survey, conducted among 1,801 U.S. adults, asked people about their willingness to discuss the Edward Snowden leaks on social media and in person. Social media users demonstrated a particular hesitance to discuss the topic. 86% of those surveyed said they would be willing to have an offline discussion about Snowden, while only 42% of Facebook and Twitter users said they would post about it online. What was that percentage? 42%? Yeah, so 86% wow. said they would talk about it offline, in person, and then only 42% said they would talk about it on Facebook or Twitter, hmm. which is kind of strange because I was thinking maybe they just didn't know a lot about Edward Snowden, and so that's why they wouldn't talk about it. But of course, I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt that they won't talk about things they don't know about. How often does that happen? Right, right. Um, but it's obviously not that since they would talk about it in person, just not online. So that's kind of strange. I don't know. It It's something that I... Well, look, I started a podcast to because my opinion wasn't being very, very well um, demonstrated or very well represented. So I'm the anomaly in this because I will talk about everything. But I really believe that unless you have an opinion that blacks are assholes or Jews are stingy or whatever... Unless that's your opinion, that's opinion you, well, I think you probably should say that so we can identify who the assholes are. But if you just have a different opinion about Edward Snowden, no one should be getting shit for that. If you think he's a traitor, I think that's a valuable argument. And if you think he's a patriot, I think that's equally valuable. 
And I think he's somewhere in the middle for me. I mean, we're not going to get into the Edward Snowden thing, but I don't think there are any easy answers. And for people to shy away from sh from sharing their opinions, it's stifling the conversation ultimately. Yeah, so one theory about this is a notion called the spiral of silence in which people tend to keep opinions to themselves if they think they're in the minority, which is really unfortunate because, as Christopher Hitchens says, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus. Which is awesome. I mean, what which... And let me let me dumb it down for some of those that that might not be as Christopher Hitchens astute. <laughs> He's talking about a lot of people who will well, for instance, we'll just talk about religion. If someone says, "So you're saying that one point two point five billion Christians are wrong?" They're taking security in in the in the consensus of of that particular opinion. And that's not the way to go. You blaze your own trail, believe what you're going to believe, and be proud and strong in it. And but the problem is, is a lot of people they hold opinions, but they don't have the intellectual. They haven't researched enough, maybe, to back up that opinion. So they don't want to get into a discussion about it because they know they're just going to get shit on, even if they think they're right, even if they are right, if they're not skilled enough or versed enough in that subject they're going to get walked on yeah and that's why this spiral of silence is unfortunate in my opinion because the minority should be speaking up if you have an opinion share it don't be afraid of the different opinions you know i mean of course you want to be able to back up your opinion so if you can't back it up then maybe you know keep it to yourself because that would just be unfortunate for you but I think we should all be using social media to have conversations, important conversations about these different issues, because conversations do change people's minds. I hear it all the time. Why would I talk about this? Why do people talk about these topics? No one's going to change their mind. I've had multiple people yeah, tell me for sure you have that the things that I have shared on Facebook have changed their mind about things. So I know it happened. It's happened for me as well. And I know it happens all over the place. So conversations do open those doors that change people's minds. This kind of leads me to something I wanted to talk about at the top of the show and forgot to. Um, but we were having a conversation with a dear friend of mine about GMOs today. And she is opposed to GMOs, like many, many Americans, and I am absolutely okay with them. And we were having a discussion back and forth on Facebook, which is great. We disagree, but being able to disagree agreeably is what it takes. And if I'm not going to, just because she disagree, even if she thinks my, my, the, my belief about GMOs is shit, it doesn't mean she thinks I'm shit as a person. She just means that belief is shit. That I can separate myself from my beliefs. I don't hold them so close that they're you're attacking me if you attack something that I believe. Yeah. And that goes for atheism, that goes for religion, that goes for everything else. That's But anyway, what I wanted to what I had failed to bring up at the beginning of the show was we are going to have in the next few episodes a GMO episode. We are going to have a microbiologist on the show, and we want to pepper her with questions. So if you have a question, whether you're for GMOs or against GMOs, email us, tweet us, Facebook us, call in 657-464-7609. You can text or call your questions for our microbiologist that we'll have. So anyway, I want to get that out there. Next on the docket is crazy California bullshit. Well, I shouldn't say that because I'm I'm playing my hands. I'm showing my hand too early. There is legislation that is either being proposed, proposed um, that the Confederate flag, and for the for our international listeners who might not know what the Confederate flag is, it's during the American Civil War between the North and the South. The South was the Confederacy. They were the rebels who rebelled against America, and the war was largely fought over slavery, and they had their own flag, the Confederate flag. So the state of California wants to make it illegal. I tell you what, you do your job, I'll do mine. Assemblyman Isidore Hall, Democrat, 
Los Angeles, mm-hmm. just in case that is a surprise to anybody. Says, you mean there's not a lot of Republicans in the, the greater Los Angeles area? Oh, I was talking about mostly the Confederate flag issue, but um, he says that even one Confederate flag is too many. He proposed the legislation banning its use in response to an incident he and his mother had while visiting a gift shop in the State House in Sacramento. She noticed that a vendor was selling a replica Confederate currency and other trinkets emblazoned with the flag and brought it to his attention. Why are we selling this type of currency in the state's capital, he asked, particularly when it was used to incite fear and danger upon people? I've got a problem. My problem lies here. One, I think the Confederate flag is a symbol of rebellion and a symbol of um, treason against the United States and against our Constitution. So I'm absolutely, without any doubt or without any hesitation, against what it stands for and what it is. He likens the Confederate flag to the Nazi swastika. Of course he does. I just wanted to note that. Right. And he also says, despite the other issues plaguing California, like the drought and unemployment, he says that this flag issue is not too small to pursue. So that's where he stands. Well, he just wants to stifle free speech. Because as much as I hate, as much as I loathe the Confederate flag and what it stands for, I wouldn't want to. Listen, if someone wants to have a Nazi flag then have a Nazi flag. That, you, Whatever. If you want to fly a Nazi flag in front of your fucking house or on your truck or on your car, you go right ahead. Because we have a wonderful thing in the United States, the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. And to abridge that for whatever reason about someone owning a flag or selling a flag or having a flag on state property, that's a problem for me. Because that's the state enforcing its own its own dimensions on what you can and can't say. And effectively, what you can and can't think. And that's a problem. Yeah, well, that's California for you. That is definitely California. Moving on, we're staying with the South. <laughs> Shockingly enough, there's a pastor in Cleveland, Texas, who wants quote-unquote, demonic books banned from the library. A Cleveland pastor, Philip Missick, has filed a complaint with Austin Memorial Library, Cleveland's public library, asking that many fiction books on vampires, demons, and the supernatural be purged. He says he was stunned to find the young adult section full of books like Blood Promise, Twilight, and the Vampire Night series. This is dark. There's a sexual element. You have creatures that aren't human. I think it's dangerous for our kids, he said. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's a dangerous element. There's violence and there's sex. Is he also going to ban the Bible from those same libraries? You know, I don't think that he's interested in that. But, you know, he, <laughs> he filed a complaint and a petition that he had signed by a handful of local pastors And the library director noted that only 5% of all the 1,500 titles in the teen section dealt with vampires and the supernatural. So he's making a hissy fit over Twilight and all these books that don't matter when it's only 5% of the young adult novels that are actually in the library. It's also made up. It's fiction. I I mean, there's this large contingency of Christians who won't let their children read Harry Potter because it's witchcraft. Yeah, it's weird. That, that's You know that's not real, right? There aren't really spells. There aren't really witches. There aren't demons. That Well, they, they all really believe there's demons. So I guess that must be their concern, right? That they're going to learn how to do the spells that are in the Harry Potter books? I think largely, like evangelicals, like my parents, they believe that there is witchcraft. They, they probably believe in spells. They believe in magic. Uh-huh. That's, I, they've never seen it. That's but, just insane to me. Well, w- when I was a kid, there was a book called, what in the hell was the name of it? By a guy named Dave, Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke, in The Satan Cellar, I think was the name of it. And he tells this fantastical story 
about how he was a high priest in the church of Satan, and he would he would unleash demons to go set fires to businesses that he didn't like, and uh-huh. all these. It was a, like a true story he was telling. He since recanted, and because none of it made any, like, it didn't back up with timelines and all this other shit. But so a lot of Christians believe that type of shit. See, that's confusing to me also because if you believed it was true and you believe that, you know, Harry Potter is essentially a manual for, you know, doing witchcraft, right, right. I would love for my child to be able to figure out how to make an invisibility cloak or yeah. get his hands on one. Hell yeah. Or least. the time travel thing. That, yeah. Uh, Hermione Granger. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Ronald, take care of this. <laughs> okay, what accent was that? That was like Spanish, I, I kind don't of. I know. Okay, so anyway, getting back to the story. Um, he's also concerned with the sexual element of the books. Do his children have laptops? Right. Do they watch TV? Because there's sexual elements that they're going to find everywhere. Well, so if not, you're afraid of the Twilight books... He's not necessarily trying to protect his own children. He's trying to protect everyone else's children in the community. <laughs> the problem is, if you don't want your kids to read those type of books, Pastor then don't let them go to the library and don't let them check them out. You don't need to do the work of everybody else to protect them from what they don't think is a problem. Yeah, so he says, I understand that they have the right to these books, but I also have the right to complain about them. And of course you have the right to complain about them, just like we have the right to say you're dumb. Yes, for sure. Well, I think everybody knows by now what that music is. That is our Pat Robertson, the evil old man, what a bastard music. (laughs) And in this segment of Pat Robertson, I can't think of a name of the segment, just what a fucking DB he is. Well, because there's just so many things that he's going to talk about right now that he shouldn't be talking about. I, I really... I wonder, and I'm not claiming this, this is just something that I'm just thinking out loud, I wonder truly if he has Alzheimer's or some type of dementia. And I know he's always said off the off the wall crazy shit, the AIDS AIDS getting spread by homosexuals in San Francisco with a with a sharp thing on their ring that'll cut people and give them AIDS and he's a fucking whack job. And I've got three clips here I want to play and talk about. But he just seems more old and frail than he has in the past. With He's kind of slumped over. And it's almost like they've got him propped up. And this suit is way too big. And he's just... He doesn't look good. I don't know that I give him more than a couple years. and that That's generous. I, I, if we woke up tomorrow and found out he was dead, one, it would be a much better world without him in it. But two, it uh, it wouldn't surprise me. He looks that bad. Well, anyway, in this first clip, he weighs in on some things that are going on. One is uh, Robin Williams' suicide, and he says some outrageous things. And then he talks about the situation in Ferguson, Missouri, with Michael Brown. And then he goes on to give, and these are three clips, but he goes on to give advice to a stepmother who is concerned about her 13-year-old stepson that he is attracted to other boys, and he gives some unorthodox advice. What is your God? Is it money? So when you get money, what's going to happen? Is it fame? So when you get fame, what's going to happen? You know, you see these very popular people in the media who commit suicide, like Robin Williams recently, and you say, what is the deal with him? What happened? You find people who are at the top of the game in music and they're strung out on drugs. What happened? What was their God? Well, you see, the God of the heathen are idols. And everything that you seek in life can ruin you unless that something and somebody is God himself. He can fill your every need, and he won't disappoint you, and you won't want to commit suicide after you have come to him. One, he has this meandering kind of a cadence where he's just, they're just letting the old man go. Where you almost start to tune him out, kind of. Yeah. But he says that if you come to Jesus, 
you won't kill yourself once you've actually gotten Jesus in your heart. So under that logic and under that claim, no Christian has ever committed suicide because Jesus wouldn't allow that. That's, that's just not how it works. It just, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's wacky. It's completely discounting everything we know about clinical depression and science, which is no surprise that a lofty, virtuous man of God would completely discount what we know about science. Right. It's, well, it's appalling. Also, Robin Williams was not an atheist. I don't know. I've seen quotes. I mean, of course, it's the internet and Abraham Lincoln has quotes that are recent on the internet, but I've seen quotes on the internet from Robin Williams talking about God and, and things like that. So he seemed like that spiritual type of a dude who would believe in, you know, energy or fucking whatever. It's also irresponsible, I guess, is my main issue with what Pat Robertson says. I think that's apt. He gets letters from people to get advice, and then he dispenses this advice. Right. And well, he has a following. There are millions of people who take him at his word of being a holy man of God. Yeah, and so people who believe whatever he has to say are, are hearing this advice he just gave them where he says that, you know, you just need to accept God into your heart and then you won't be suicidal. And then they're going to go over to, you know, the mentally ill person that they know that has depression or, you know, whatever else they may have that's feeling suicidal and say, hey, you just need to accept God into your heart. And that's not a real solution for people that are suffering mental illnesses and, you know, are going to commit suicide. I mean, they need something more than For that, sure. and they need a better intervention. Let me let me clarify and go where you dare not tread. Accepting Jesus in your heart isn't a solution for anything, because that's not a real thing. If there was a Jesus, that guy died a long time ago, and he can't do anything for you. So we're going to move on. He wants to give his two cents and I don't think it's even two cents worth, but he gives us two cents worth on the current situation in Ferguson, Missouri. Have you been listening to this stuff in Ferguson, Missouri? Have you, the news has been... Well, they finally came out and said that there was evidence that uh, Brown charged the officer and beat his face in. His occipital bone was crushed. This would have been nice information yeah. to have about a week well, ago. I don't understand why they haven't done a blood test on that guy, on the dead man, yeah. to see if he had PCP or some other kind of uh, hallucinogenic uh, material. Because he acted like somebody who was crazy. I believe that he, they did show that there he had been smoking pot. Well, pot yeah. wouldn't make you do the stuff he yeah. did. It had to be something worse than that. But in any event, he charges the officer. And for somehow, they make this big racial case. And Eric Holder goes down and said, you don't understand what it's like to be a black man. And I was pulled over by the cops years ago and my vehicle was searched. Okay, the big, great, six-foot-five giant charges this little cop and beats the daylights out of him. And the cop is in fear of his life. Now, he shot him too many times, no question. Yeah. One or two would have probably deterred him. And, and that was bad, but nevertheless, police can use deadly force to keep from being sure. killed. And, and nice to have a stun gun in a situation like that, too. Uh, much better. Mm -hmm. But in any of this, there's some error. But to, to, to have the national thing and, of course, uh, you know, the friendly preacher of Tawana Brawley comes in and um, he, he makes a statement and everybody makes a statement and all these activists come in from California and New York. It's an outrage. And then the Russians come in and, and say, well, you see, you've got your own problems. How dare you preach to us? It just looks bad. But if we'd just gotten the facts earlier, I can't understand why they withheld this stuff. This big guy robs us a convenience store, pushes the clerk uh, to one side, goes marching down the street, blocking traffic. And the cop tries to stop him. And then they say, well, the cop didn't know he'd done something in the convenience store. Now it says, yes, he did know. And, you know, the whole thing, well, why didn't they get the facts out? I know. I was, same thought last night. Why? this That yeah. was criminal in itself, withholding Completely. that information. And, and, yeah. and this stuff perhaps would have been avoided. But uh, yeah. now, oh, oh, man. And But Eric Holder, grandstanding, I'm going to stand up for the oppressed. I mean, did the big guy beat the cop up? 
And if he did, the cop had a right to stop him. But the question is, you're right, he should have had a stun gun, but maybe they didn't offer, they didn't issue stun guns to them. That would have stopped him. Yeah. Well, I'm sad to see it, but um, this era of racial tension, and it's been a hot summer. So I love how he says, oh, yeah, he shot him too many times, but, you know... Well, he also, there's a whole kinds of dumb shit that he says in there. He says, well, oh, and then they say that he did this, or they say that this happened. The they he's talking about is the me, the 24-7 news media speculating. We don't know the extent of the cops' injuries, if any. Yeah, I haven't heard specifics on that and at for, all. And for this this mannequin with makeup that they have a, a hand up her ass talking yeah well it's criminal that they don't release the details no in a criminal investigation it is best prudent and sometimes required that the state say si stay silent until they get their evidence until even sometimes trial there wasn't all kinds of details released during the kelly thomas beating and murder they they kept all that close to the vest because there was going to be a legal proceeding. Yeah. It's like if someone's getting sued and they're asked questions about it, well, I can't really talk about that because there's an ongoing investigation. You, yeah. You can't because you'll tamper with justice. Yeah. And Ugh. so also a disappointing thing that he was doing is speculating on whether or not he had smoked PCP. And to Pat Robertson's credit, he said that, you know, oh, yeah, he sm smoked marijuana. Well, that wouldn't have caused him to be aggressive. Right. So, yeah, just be quiet, lady, and let me talk. It, it <laughs> seems to me that she, that it was attempt after attempt after attempt at besmirching Michael Brown. Yeah. It's, oh, he was on drugs. Oh, he robbed the thing. Oh, he attacked the cop. We don't know. We know he robbed the liquor store. We've seen that. We know he had marijuana in his system. Because those details were released post-autopsy. But we don't know anything else. We don't know the the extent of the injuries of the officer. We don't fucking know. Well, and that's the thing. He's speculating on so many things. And we did get the toxicology report back right. about the marijuana. And then he says, well, they should really do a blood test on him to see if there's PCP. Right. Yeah, they already took care of that. Right. They also, we don't know if he even attacked the cop. We don't fucking know yet. We'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure, through the forensic investigation, finding out whether the gun was fired within the car, all that those details we'll get to. Yeah. But for this elderly man to be spouting off on national TV to his makeup mannequin is irresponsible, like you said. Yeah, for sure. So. Especially to people who are, you know, not informed and getting their news from Pat Robertson, right. which that's terrifying. It, well, that's it's. The Christian Broadcasting Network. It's CBN. They have like their own network moniker, the 700 Club. It's a news agency. Their reporters have press credentials. It's a fucking farce. Here's where it gets disturbing. That was just commentary on his part. So you know, we'll give him. We'll give him. That's just commentary. We'll give him credit for that. Here is where it gets scary, and that's where he does his call-in segment or his email segment where Christians who are have queries, who have problems, who have troubles in their lives, they email in, and these questions are directed to Sinal McGee for him to answer. From Christy Pat, who says, recently my stepson told us that he's having crushes on boys. He's 13 and lives with his mother most of the time. How do we approach the situation? What are the next steps we should take? We have two other boys, ages three and one. What's your suggestion? Um, I know a lot of people disagree with this. They think that they're born that way. But I, I think uh, a nurture has a lot to do with it. I mean, he's being raised by a mother. So... Um, his attraction is now toward other men because he's raised by a woman. Uh, I think before I did anything else, I would get him male companions. I'd get him uh, some man to help him. I mean, some mentor or someone who cares about young uh, men in a, in a fatherly, um, uh, elder brother type of way. 
and let the kid grow up with a male role model and see what happens. So I, th I think, you know, right now he's being raised by a single woman, and that's, you know, maybe skewing his uh, orientation. Somehow. Well, and, you know, this is his stepmom writing this, saying he told us, so that's his dad that he's been, so his dad could step into that role a little well, more in his, his life. His dad should. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I was raised by a single mother. Brett was raised by a single mother. Neither of us are gay. Millions and millions and millions upon millions of boys are raised by single women who don't turn out gay. And the reason for that, the science behind that, the genetics behind that, senile McGee, is that you are born that way. That's simply put. It's, it's, I understand that, uh, you know, I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I believe it's a lot of nurture. Yeah, nurture may play a role, but predominantly we are learning ever rapidly that it is, it is a genetic predisposition. And again, here's another irresponsible thing, which is instead of, oh, your son has crushes on boys. Okay, that's not a big deal at all. Cool. Thanks right. for writing in and telling us that. Why do you encourage him to not be self-conscious about it? Yeah. Well, clearly, I'll say this for the kid. He's confident enough in what what his feelings are and who he is that he's telling his wackadoo Christian stepmom, who's wackadoo enough to write into Pat Robertson, that he has crushes on boys. Good for him. For sure. Good for I him. I mean, that might, hopefully he's weighing the the potential consequences with his wacky family. Yeah. To not cause problems for himself. But I'm I'm happy that he's at least, it, it, for me, it's a step in the right direction societally that it's okay for a young teenager. This kid is just a teenager, 13 years old, that it's okay for him to feel okay about being gay because when i was in high school we didn't have any gay kids obviously we had gay kids but nope every they were all had to be quiet and hide it and that's tragic that's sad that's damaging for them I, to to hide who you are and what you are is it's uh, it's a tragedy yeah, it's apparently how Pat Robertson wants people to live, which is not very loving or... Well, he's he's in the class of individual like Bill O'Reilly who longs for the 1950s, who thinks that in the 1950s it was the best part of America, is the best time of, in America, when women were housewives and had to have dinner ready and a drink ready for their husband as soon as he walked in the door from, from, from work... The leave it to beaver kind of bullshit. Yeah. When women weren't equal, when blacks couldn't use the same water fountains and enter into a restaurant using the front door or sit at the counter with other whites, with white people, not with others, with, with, with white people to mix. When schools weren't integrated, Pat Robertson strikes me as the type of guy who is a 1950 lover, just like Bill O'Reilly and so many others. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, from everything he says, for sure. Ugh. Well, look at that. We're done with that. And we have time for the two assholes on the plane. Perfect. So earlier this week, a flight from New Jersey to Denver was diverted when two passengers got in a little bit of a tiffy. Well, <laughs> this is interesting to me because... Usually when something happens and you get the details, it's like, oh, person X was wrong, person X was right, they made the right decision. I don't think it's so clear-cut in this case. Yes, a 48-year-old man used a knee defender, which is a device that prevents the seat in front from reclining on the sides of his tray table on a United Airlines flight. So it's some device that he clips on to the tray table... And it, it wedges in some way that it doesn't allow the seat in front of him to lean back at all. Exactly. Yeah. I've never heard of this. And that is an asshole device. For sure. But you can purchase it for around $22. Yep. That is a dick face thing. Yeah. If you own one, 
you need to go hit yourself on the head with a fucking hammer because that is terrible. But also, if you want to buy one, there's an Amazon link on dollamore.com. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. All right. Then a woman was sitting in front of him. She was the same age, and she tried to recline. And obviously, that didn't work out. To no avail, yeah. of course. She then protested to a flight attendant when she was unable to recline. And the flight attendant attempted to get him to remove his device. He told her no. So the woman threw water in the man's face. Turned around in her seat and threw a cup of water in his face. Yeah. And it escalated to the point where the plane was forced to land at Chicago O'Hare. God damn. And again, this was going from New Jersey to Denver. Right. So it, they're halfway there. Yeah. And so this is just a bummer for everyone on that flight. I mean, they ruined everybody else's situation, right. which is my more th- maddening than anything else. My thing is listen, the seat that he was in has the ability to recline. So the seat in front also, why would he try to preclude her from doing so? She paid for her ticket just like he did. I'm six foot three, 270 pounds. I'm a big guy. And flying coach is a pain in the dick. It is terrible. But I am, I'm self-conscious enough about somebody else's time that I rarely recline my seat. Unless there's no one behind me or if it's a little kid or something, then I will. But if it's a grown man behind me, I just suffer through the flight. I have never reclined my seat. Wow. That's saying something. It's a bummer and it's uncomfortable, but I know how uncomfortable it is for someone behind me when I recline. But if someone reclines their seat onto me, it's their seat. It's their, they paid for their ticket just like I did. Why should I take that away from them? Yeah. So he's for sure 70% of this problem. But. Why did this lady have to throw water? That doesn't solve anything. That only escalates the situation. She's just as much of a fucking idiot. Yeah, just tell him to F off and then continue sitting quietly on the flight. That, that is a solution. That is an absolute workable solution that she should have taken under advisement. So this reminds me, though, I think because I am so polite on planes, I often get burned in situations I've had people <laughs> generally men, you know, if I'm sitting in the middle seat and yeah. I'm not, I'm five ten, So I'm a taller lady. I have a lot of legs. I yeah. can only shave one at a time That's because right. there's they, so much. There is so much surface area on these legs, not because of their tree trunk nature, but because of their <laughs> long spindly nature that she has to shave them. Like we've talked about previously one at a time, one per shower session. <laughs> yeah. So I would prefer more leg room as well. And then I sit in the middle of men who, you know, like spread their legs open and will put their leg over onto my side of the seat. Or when we were flying to D.C. and the guy was on my armrest the entire time. All of which we have pictures of and we will try to locate them and put them on the Facebook page because they are very... Wasn't one of your first Instagram pictures a guy taking up part of your seat on a flight? Yeah, the, the the next time that you just mentioned, when we flew to D.C. in New York City last year... There may or may not be a photo of me flipping that man off yeah, well, while he's sleeping. That guy <laughs> not only took his armrest on the outside, he was on the aisle, Brittany was in the middle, I was on the window, and he, he immediately went to sleep. This is like a 6.30 flight, early in the morning. He immediately took a seat, put both arms out as far, far out as he could where she couldn't even plug her headphones into the armrest to listen to the radio. I mean, it, it's just rude shit. Yeah. And I mean, you don't want to cause a problem because then it's awkward. You're on this flight for hours, which is why I don't understand why they let it get to that point where the plane had to land. I mean, you're going to just just deal with it. Just deal with whatever the situation is. It'll be over soon. And then you'll never see that person ever again. I don't understand the airline's decision to defer divert the flight to Chicago Rather than just putting these people in their opposite corners. Yeah, asking someone from the back to move into one seat, someone from the front to move into the other seat, and yeah. put them on complete I mean, opposite sides. The 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 pilot in an airline situation as an employee, as the chief employee on that in that store, in that in that 
instance, the pilot should have some kind of jurisdiction to say, okay, hey, we're going to give you a voucher. We're going to, you know, you get a free handy in the bathroom, something. <laughs> wow, that's going above and beyond. Well, you know, it's, it's a customer service issue. <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> that's right. You do what you got to do. So take note, airlines. Free handies for everybody. With that, we are going to wrap up episode 5050. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a landmark. It's a, it's an achievement of sorts. Number 50. We're halfway to 100 for those of you who don't know math good. <laughs> mm, yes. So we are going to wrap it up there. Listen, we appreciate you. We love you. If you're going to buy a book or if you're going to buy some kind of insect repellent, and I only say that because, goddamn, I hate ants. You can do it at Amazon.com, and there's a link on Dollamore.com to get there. Every little bit goes a long way. We appreciate you listening. Again, we, we can't thank you enough. If you're, if you're not in a position to make an Amazon purchase at Dollamore.com, why don't you go on iTunes and leave a little bit of a rate and a review? That is free. And that is also a real good time. Hopefully, Burnt Reynolds, who ordered $400 worth of books and did not use the Amazon link, will have left a review. If That would be very nice of Burnt Reynolds. Yeah. I think it would be very nice. Since he already burned us on the old Amazon thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this has been episode 50 once again. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. Here, Ronald, take care of this. 